The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, February 28th. 2023, the final day of February, and it is indeed, I mean, the show is heck of a morning, but depending on where you are, uh, where I'm at is a heck of an afternoon. We're live on the MMA Fighting Podcast, or MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and you can hear the show in its entirety on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network as soon as this is done. I am Mike Heck, hope everyone's having a great week. It is UFC 285 Fight Week. And UFC 285 rules. I am jazzed for this card. I am incredibly fascinated by this main event, the return of John Jones against Cyril Gaon. It's one of those fights where I just have no idea what's going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from John Jones. We kind of know what to expect from Cyril Gaon. And even then, we don't even fully know what to expect from Cyril Gaon because he's fighting freaking John Jones, who hasn't fought in three years, who put on all this weight, this size, this mass. He's gotten so much stronger. I've talked to people from both sides of the equation. The Jones side saying, this dude's going to surprise a lot of people. He basically moves and does everything exactly the same. But he's just much bigger and stronger now. And the Cyril Gaon side is, we're the better strikers. We're ready. We've been ready for John for a while since after the Tai Tuivasa fight. We've been putting our name out there, letting the UFC know, hey, if something happens and Francis doesn't re-sign, we will be ready to go. So they've been preparing for this for a while. They get the shot, and it's all going to go down Saturday at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, and I cannot wait. Of course, we'll be having the UFC 285 watch party, myself, GC, some special guests joining us on Zoom. It's just going to be ridiculous to watch, and I'm very excited about that, very excited for the watch party. We had a lot happen this past weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. One championship had a, a pretty fun event for Bricio de Andrade. Gets a TKO victory over John Lineker. Corner stops the fight. You love to see it. 
I thought it was the right thing to do. John was in, I mean, John's the kind of guy who can land a big shot and change the tide very quickly, but it just didn't seem to be his night. So kudos to his corner for stopping it. We had Bellator, 291 in Dublin. Very tough to watch early. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think I turned it on because I was excited for the prelims. I was excited for the crowd. I was excited for some of the names that were on there. And I missed the Magomed Sharapov fight, which I regret, admittedly. And from there, man, it was just tough. Decision after decision, big favorites who were supposed to just run through their opponents didn't. It just was tough. 18 fights is a lot. If the 18 fights and the prelims went the way we all thought they would, it would be a little more digestible, but it was tough. But the card ended great. Great performance from Jeremy Kennedy. You'd have to say and think that he's probably going to get a title shot after that performance. And what a performance from Yaroslav Amosov. Holy cow. You don't just do that to Logan Storley. The man did it. Incredible performance, especially with everything that man has been going through for the past year. And to do that for his country and everything else, just unbelievable stuff. There's a lot of chatter with Bellator right now. And, and I saw some people talking about it. A lot of the, the, the folks who work for Bellator do PR for them. And some of the people that I saw feel like Bellator has at least a case to be made to have the best fighter in three divisions right now. 205 with Vadim Nemkov, 185 with Johnny Eplin, and 170 for Yaroslav Amosov. I'm not ready to go there with either of those guys, but there is a conversation to be had for all three of those guys. That I will admit. I think Amosov's a little bit of a tougher one because welterweight's such a deep division. 185 is interesting because there are some tough matchups for Johnny Eblen. But to me, if Johnny Eblen fought Alex Pereira right now, I think that's a competitive fight and one that Johnny Eblen could win. And I just don't know if Vadim could beat Yuri, but man, he's Bellator's in a good spot. They're, they have a very top heavy roster, some good prospects on the come up. They're in a good spot. They're in a good spot. A couple of years from now, might be looking at Bellator a little bit differently. They're back on March 10th, beginning of the lightweight Grand Prix. Usman Magomedov versus Benson Henderson. Excited to get that one rocking and rolling and see how this lightweight Grand Prix goes. Then the UFC had a card. They had UFC Vegas 70. A weird one, a wacky one, where we lost the main event right when the main card started. Found out that Alexander Volkov was out. He was hurt. And... Oh, I'm sorry, not Alexander Volkov. What the hell am I talking about? It's been a day, people. Ryan, uh, Nikita Krylov is what I'm trying to say. Nikita Krylov was ill. Fight with Ryan Spann was off. Tough hang for Ryan Spann. Spoke to the media afterwards. Tough to watch. Brandon Allen and Andre Muniz get moved to the main event. Brandon Allen looks incredible. Submits Andre Muniz. Gets it done. Huge win for him. Tatiana Suarez came back. Gets the gilly. Taps out Montana De La Rosa. Very intrigued to see where she goes. If they just want to chuck her right up top, give her a title fight, give her a number one contender fight, or if they want to maybe slow roll her a tad now that she's dropping back down to 115. 
wasn't a terrible card to watch. Trevor Peak, wonderful. Mike Malak, great performance. The Sakai Mays fight was what we kind of all expected it to be. Jordan Levitt going out there finishing people with strikes. Joe Selecki gets an easy submission win. We had Narulo Aliyev in bite gates in the first fight of the card. It was a weird one, but we just needed to get through that. And now we're on the road to UFC 285. And then on Sunday, Jake Paul loses his first fight to Tommy Fury. Wasn't the most spectacular fight of all time, but Tommy Fury goes out and gets it done. Jake Paul suffers a loss. And I don't know where the hell we go from here. So that's the weekend that was. There's other things that have gone on as well. A lot of clips that have gone viral. A lot of different things. So let's see what you guys want to talk about. And we'll go to you. Four-ounce sniper was first. What's up, man? Hey, heck of a morning. Uh, Yeah, even though we lost the main event this past weekend, I thought it was still a pretty solid card. Uh, Brendan Allen went out, showed out. You know, he put himself, I think he's top 12 now, so he's finally ranked. Uh, Jordan Levin came out with some pretty impressive Muay Thai. I don't know if anybody noticed it, but he had a nice plum clinch and got the nice finish with knees to the body and then to the face. And then, uh, again, like you said, uh, Tatiana Suarez came back and got a second-round finish. I kind of expected her to finish in the first round, but I'm not going to falter because this is her first fight in four years. But uh, what do you think about throwing her in there? I would say just throw her in there in the top six with uh, Yan Jaonan or uh, Mackenzie Dern, somewhere around there, just to get her uh, closer to the strawweight belt. Uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, if you if you listen to on to the next one, I that Yanja and I was was the opponent I suggested. And there's so many different ways you can go about it. You could go you you could throw in there at somebody in the top ten or twelve just to get her feet wet. That's cool. Uh if you want to chuck her right there in there with Jessica Andrade, I don't think a lot of people are gonna complain about that. So yeah, I land on Yan Jonan. I'm I'd like to see her get a, a win at Strawweight before a number one contender fight. Let's just see if she can make the weight. Let's see if she can perform to the same abilities with a weight cut. And Jan's tough. Jan will go right after her. Jan will offer her some challenges. And you beat Jan Janan, you're a pretty damn good fighter. So, and we already know Tatiana's really good. But again, that layoff. And the fight went pretty much exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I, think she, I thought she was going to feel it out a little bit. Montana's down to scrap. She wasn't going to be shy about fighting Tatiana in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and that's kind of the fight we got. Tatiana needed a minute to get to get rolling, and then once she did, it was off to the races. She is just so strong, and she's a problem. She's a problem. So there's really no wrong way to book her. Uh, but if I have the matchmaking book, I'm going with Yan Jonan first, and then we go from there. Let's go to Four Corner Sports. Hey, heck of an afternoon, Mike. What's up, buddy? Hey, so I wanted to talk about Trevor Peak. I mean, this man, I mean, he gained a lot of fans after his performance on Saturday. The man was throwing hammer fists from standing up. I mean, I have never seen that before. I feel like Trevor Peak is going to be, like what Fitzgerald said, um, must-see television next time he comes on. It's a shame that he was on the Apex, but I looked at the calendar, and um, there's no Apex cards 
for at least two months. I think the next one is April 21st. Was it Pavlovich versus Blades? I want to get, get your opinion on not the fight, but what's your opinion on the UFC um, staying away from Apex cards for at least two months? And um, I know we have John Jones coming to fight this week, but with the three pay-per-views that are coming on, if you had to pick um, one to watch, um, and then one to watch like like partially, and then one to throw away, which one would it be between eighty-five, eighty-six, and eighty-seven? All right, thanks, Mike. Which one to throw away? Wow, uh, I like all of those cards, honestly. Uh man, it's so it's tough. I mean, the one I'm definitely watching is two eighty-five. That's the one I'm watching for sure. Um, let me see what two eighty-six looks like. I mean, they're both they're both really interesting, and they both have storylines galore. They both have interesting main events. They both have interesting co-main events. Man, it's tough. I hate to say 286 I would throw away, but let me see what 287 looks like. I think 286 is the better card. Like, as a whole? Yeah, I'll say... I mean, 280... I wouldn't throw any of them away, but 286 is the one I'll pick if I have to choose between the three. I, 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 the crowd, obviously, is great. I just... I mean, 287 is just a better top-to-bottom lineup with bigger names across the board. So... And plus, I mean, Chris Barnett is always the tiebreaker to me. If you get Chris Barnett on a card and it's close, Chris wins. Chris puts you over the top. So Michael Chiesa versus Lee Jingliang might be like a early, early prelim. It's this card's ridiculous. 287 is stacked. 286 is good. I mean, Gaethje Fazib is ridiculous. The main event's compelling. There's other good fights on there. The crowd is gonna be on fire. But if we're just talking about because I'll be doing watch parties for all these. So I don't get to really get that whole ambiance with the crowd. So if it's just which fights am I going to watch without hearing the ambiance of the building, 287 is a better card than 286. But 285 is definitely the one I'm picking to watch over all of them just because of this main event and the fascination I have with what freaking John Jones is going to show up. CV, hello. CV. Uh, don't hear you. Try again. Uh, let's go to Wyatt. Why do we have you? Just gotta, There we go. Uh, what if they like added pencils in? What's that? Like uh, pencils. For what? The MMA. Pencils for what? I don't know. All right. That was fun. Uh, let's try CV again. CV, do we have you? Hello? What's up, man? What's up, man? Hope you're having a heck of an afternoon. Uh, I'll make this quick. Um, I saw two rumored uh, matchups floating around. just want to get your thoughts on if there's actual smoke between them happening. And, yeah, just your thoughts if they do happen. 
So I saw Patty versus Drew Dober and Ilya Tapuria versus the Korean Zombie. Thanks. So I don't think there's any truth to the Dober Patty thing. Patty's still hurt. Uh, Patty just did an interview with MMA Junkie and said he's kind of eyeballing the Jared Gordon rematch. Jared's obviously fighting Bobby Green coming up. So if Jared wins, he wants to kind of run that one back. And Patty's kind of in that position where if Jared does win, he gets to kind of call the shot. And that's probably the fight they'll make. But uh, I've talked to some people about that news to them. Again, you just got to be careful because a lot of these like social media accounts will just report fights as if they're done. And that's not always true. Much like the Iliad's Poria Korean zombie fight. Uh, I've heard nothing about that at all. Um, there's talks about maybe doing a card in South Korea on April 29th. I've heard nothing about that at all. Uh, reached out to multiple people and they all told me kind of the same thing. Like, eh, that's, that's news to me. So, and that kind of goes back to, to four quarter sports about the lineup here. Uh, there is no apex card on the books at all for the next several, I mean, several weeks. They're on the road through April 15th. April 22nd does not have a location yet, so we don't know if it's Apex or not. April 29th, no location. 288, no location. I'm hearing Vegas for 288, but I don't know for sure. Uh, I've, I've, there's been different rumblings of stuff, but um, I'm told the favorite is Las Vegas. And I believe Charles Oliveira's like, social media manager also teased Las Vegas, but... No idea where that one's taking place. And May 13th is Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker. Um, that might, I don't know. We're not going to have Apex for a while. That makes me happy. That certainly makes me happy. So... But we'll see if the 22nd, I could see the 22nd being an Apex card, but no announcement, no re no reveal yet. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Viking, hello. Viking, you're muted. Hello, Mike. Hi, how Viking. are you? Good, how are you? 
I'm fine. I just have a small request. Um, if you could do that to my girlfriend, her birthday is tomorrow. So, and she's your biggest fan. So, if you if you can wish her, then it would it will be it will be divine for her. So, I'm not forcing you for anything. And and I just like. This is this time of this space and um, 30 p.m. Just had dinner and now relaxing and listening to the great host and all the audience. Just really like this time of the space. And my question to you, Mike, is: uh, You have been saying about Henry Sahudo all the time. If he wins the title, he is going to move up, no matter what. or he might get retired after winning the title so there is no point of giving this guy the title shot so i'm quite concerned about the same thing have same thing about the john jones so do you think that could happen do you think john jones will put the division on hold after winning the title and continue to continue to do negotiations with a UFC Indian white thanks a lot hey viking what's your girlfriend's name swab swab yes swab she's she is a listener okay. she sometimes she speaks on the she speaks on the space oh swab okay yeah all right oh yeah swab ah thanks buddy appreciate it uh happy early birthday to swab Happy early birthday. Maybe you'll hear this on your actual birthday, but uh I hope your your birthday is incredible and I hope you enjoy yourself and I hope Viking takes you out to a fancy dinner and spends lots and lots of money on you. Uh cuz you deserve it. So happy birthday to you. John John, I'm not concerned about John. I'm not concerned about John. I from all accounts, this new deal that he got uh is for really good money. He seems very happy with that money. So I'm not concerned about him beating Cyril Gunn just being like, "Okay, I'm not fighting until I get 100 million dollars." I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's happy with where he's at. Seems that way anyways. At least that's what he's saying. If he wins, like the Stipe fights right there, I think they'll go right to that. And if he loses, that's when things are interesting, but I still think they could go right to the Stipe fight. I still think they can go to that because you could call it what it is. Oh, John was preparing for Francis. Got Cyril in seven weeks. Totally different guy. First fight at heavyweight, knocking the rust off. Three year layoff. All that. John Jones versus Stipe. Even if John loses, is still a pay per view main event, and it's still a compelling fight. So, but I don't think there's going to be any kind of like financial holdup or anything. If that's what you're concerned about, no. So who knows a different story because he's done it before, and I just feel like he's going to say, "I ain't fighting anybody until unless it's Volkanovski." I I could totally see him doing that. Totally see him doing that. But if I'm him, I think he's would be insane to do that because the biggest fight in the division for that title is waiting in the wings by the name of Sean O'Malley. 
And you can feel however you want to feel about the man, but Sean draws eyeballs and he draws numbers. And I felt Aljo fumbled the bag right after he beat TJ. He should have focused all his attention on Sean O'Malley right after he beat Piotr Jan, not just made him an option, but the option. And I think that hurt him. Now he's going to fight Cejudo, which as a fight, I'm like, I'm fine with, like I'm fat. I'm interested in the fight. It's just the political BS that Henry likes to put out there that drives me crazy and is my concern. I just don't want to see him be like, well, nope, I'm not defending the belt. I'm going up to fight Volkanovsky and I will not accept anything else. And if he doesn't get it, he could just walk away again. These are my concerns. But I think having Sean, I've, I've lightened on it a little bit because I think having Sean in the position that he's in kind of almost forces his hand to have to fight Sean O'Malley. It kind of forces the hand. Because like, how could you turn that down to go fight Volk? That's insane. You could beat Sean and then go fight Volk. So, yeah. But he's got to beat Aljamain Sterling first. And that's a tough ask. That's going to be a tough ask. That's going to be a really interesting fight. Zeke, Hello. Oh, Zeke, you do this to me like once a week now. Try again. Brian, you are up. Brian, do we have you? I know you're there because I can hear you in the background, kind of. Brian? Oh, is, yep, my bad. Oh, Sorry about that. All good. What, what's up, man? So I had two questions for two guys that are going on completely different paths. Um, for Jalen Turner, one – where do you think he is put if he's beating Gamrot? Because Gamrot's definitely different than Hooker. Obviously less of a name, but that is some serious, serious power to put on your resume. I mean, I think there's no way other than a top five uh, shot there. Um, and then also Cody Garbrand um, from Cleveland. So a couple people know Cody, and we're all very uh, very interested to see how he does. Do you think there's any chance he even makes it back into the ranking and to any type of relevancy um, of any kind? Just curious on those two guys because they're going kind of different paths. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, both guys are fighting in very interesting fights on Saturday. Jalen Turner is interesting. I would – it's tough because this division is just so weird. Him and Sarukian would just be a friggin' banger, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think timing-wise, I think the fight that makes the most sense is probably the loser of Gaethje Fazeev. That's probably what I would end up going with on, on to the next one, but it's a tough fight. Gamrot is... Gamrot's really good. Gamrot's really, really good. And this is... No offense to Dan Hooker, this is the better fight. I mean, clearly it's the better fight. For Cody, man, I don't know. I liked the Arce. I, I did like the Julio Arce fight a lot, but it looks like he's going to be out for a minute. You could do, you could try to go back to the Honda Yaya fight. Maybe a guy like Victor Henry would be fun. I don't know. That one's Cody's definitely tougher to answer because we just have no idea what guy is going to show up. And Trevin can crack, man. I mean, 
Trevin can go. You see the run that Mario Batista has been on? And Trevin's, I mean, Trevin can go, man. Trevin's a good fighter. He's lost three in a row, but he's a good fighter. Dude, knocked out Mario Batista. Like, that's, that's a great win. Loses to Saidi Kamhakramanov. That is a tough-ass fight. Then he loses to Javid Bajarat, another tough-ass fight. And then Hayoni Barcelos, which is another tough-ass fight. So, I mean, this guy, he's on a three-fight skid, but he's losing to, like, really good guys. So, yeah, I, I wonder what the betting line is on that fight. Like, this, this, what is the betting line here? Garbrandt minus 165. That's about right. That's where I would put it. I wouldn't make him a gigantic favorite because Trevin's pretty good. And it's a big opportunity for him. So, yeah, I don't know where he goes. If, if he loses this fight, man, he's in, he's in no man's land. But if he wins, I don't know where he goes. Kind of have to see how he looks. All right, Zeke, do we have you? Zeke. Nope. We don't have you. YVMZ, hello. Hi. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, two questions for you. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the recent wardrobe malfunctions. It seems like a lot of the female USC fighters like are having some issues with it. Um, I w just wanted to get your thoughts on that and what the UFC could do. And secondly, I wanted to ask, um, should the winner of Fiziev and Gaethje be the next title uh, shot contender? Or do you think it should still be Benil? Thank you very much. Have a great one. I mean, if Benil beats Charles Oliveira, he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy. I just don't know what else this man needs to do. But as much as I like want that to happen if he does win, cause he deserves it again, valuable lesson. It's the UFC deserves. Doesn't mean anything. It's about dollars and cents. And Dustin Poirier is right there and they could slide him right in. It's very possible. So no, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. I think they would be, I think the best case scenario to me is the winner gets Dustin. That's the best case scenario. Cause Dustin, Dustin will fight Gaethje again. That first fight was great. And if Fazeev beats Justin Gaethje, that fight's going to get Poirier fired up. I think. So that's probably the best case scenario. Unless Poirier gets slotted into a title fight, but. It's either, yeah, I don't think, because I don't think Oliveira's got the title fight if he wins. So it's either, to me, it's Poirier or Oliveira. And you beat either of those guys, then you get a title shot next. But man, poor, the fact that I even have to say this just makes my heart hurt. That Benny Darius could beat Charles Oliveira and still somehow might have to watch a title fight. Like, that's the world we're living in right now. And it stinks. But 
if he goes out there and just smokes Charles, I don't think. I mean, there's it's. I think it's undeniable. But getting Poirier or getting Chucky Olives, not a bad consolation prize. But I don't think the winner of that's getting the title shot. Zeke, hello. All right, it's got to be third time's a charm. We got it. We got you. Right. Last time I was talking and it was blue, but I heard nothing. But whatever, we're here now. First things first, I want to know what that pencil guy really meant. Like, did he mean like bringing in like physical pencils and like? St- anyway, we'll get we'll get way past that and forget that comment. Let's address the elephant in the room, Mike. Francis Ngannou laid on Cyril Gunn for two and a half, three rounds. The last time we saw Cyril, you know, had to face somebody with a little bit of takedown ability. What's your thoughts here? Does John need to rush to the takedowns? Do you think John can stay up like Francis did for the first two rounds, kind of kickbox his way to takedowns? What do you expect this weekend? I am beyond excited. Lastly, I'm sure you heard the Chael Sonnen interview. What do you think about his comments about Valentina? you think Valentina really picked to be this co-main, try and get the biggest draw that she could? I think that's brilliant by her. I do think her cards have been, I don't want to say lackluster, but I don't think she's been getting the attention that she deserves. And now with, uh, you know, Aaron Blanchfield rising up in the division, I think this is a perfect time for Valentina to get, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, stardom and a little bit more attention to her, to her fights and her pay-per-views. Mike, have a uh, heck of a morning. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that because, um, I mean, people who've been listening to the show ever since that fight was rumored for this card, uh, we've been telling you that that fight was not done until, until probably like two or three hours before Dana screamed at the top of his lungs and, and said that fight was happening. We confirmed it. Uh, but that was up in the air. It was either going to be that card or it was going to be April 8th. And I don't think she really had a say in it. Um, it was the UFC was kind of like teetering on both. And I think it was probably because mostly because of the Sterling Cejudo stuff, because we had reported it was targeted for April 8th and it 1000% was, but again, it was all about whether or not the UFC was going to wait for Aljamain Sterling to get his stem cells, recover all of that and push it back one more time. And the UFC ultimately went with that. They ended up in Miami. They got Mazda all done with Burns pretty quickly, which made that the co-main event, which dropped Valentina and Alexa Grasso to the co-main event of this car, which is a good good place to be. It's a good place to be. So I don't think it was like, nah. I don't think it was Valentina and her team saying, no, we, we have to fight on this car or we're not fighting. It's just kind of what worked out. I don't know. And the other question with Jones and God, I don't know. I don't know. I talked to Ferdinand Lopez. That interview is dropping today, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, I believe, that is going to drop. Um, and Cyril's been working on his wrestling like ever since the Nganu fight. Uh, people that have worked with Cyril Gon that I've spoken to said that he's like a sponge. He's picking things up pretty quickly. Uh, he's more of a – he's picked up on a lot of the big moves, uh, some of the big submissions that – are very low percentage, but it's just a matter of finding love for wrestling and grappling. And apparently he's found it. So after that Francis fight, that's probably the thing they've worked on the most. However, John Jones is a different animal. It's just how John is going to be able to get him there. That's my concern. And three years is a long time. But if you watch John Jones fights, it's not, 
John ain't shooting a lot of doubles and singles from across the cage. He's getting up to the fence. He's getting in clinched positions, getting in close, trips, throws, things like that. But if you do that with Cyril gone, it's a very dangerous game to play because Cyril is spectacular in the clinch. He makes you pay going there. So I don't know. Of course, I think to me, John getting him down is going to be the biggest factor in him winning this fight. It's just a matter of how he can do it. If he learned how to shoot in space and do so quickly and effectively, it could be a very long night for Cyril gone. But again, this is why I'm so interested because I just have so many questions. We haven't seen John fight in three years. Like we can't go by the Dominic Reyes fight. Can't go by the Tiago Santos fight and the Anthony Smith fight. Can't go by anything. We just have to see what he does. I have no, I mean, I, again, I'm just so compelled by it. And John is not my favorite person in the sport. Far from it. Uh, he's done a lot of really shitty things. And it's, it's, it's it, the, nothing he can do will ever make me forget these things. But at the same token, John Jones, the fighter, when he is in that cage competing, I could feel a, any sort of personal way about the man and the shit that he's done uh, and the million chances he's had. But that man, when he's locked in a cage with another person, it's just compelling stuff. And yeah, I just, I'm fascinated by the, by the actual fight. That's for damn sure. Uh, Vishwajit, you are up. Yeah, uh, my question is, when I joined this space, you were talking about Tatiana Suarez, so let's start there. Do you really think she is a threat to Valentina when and if the time comes when she has to face the bullet? And secondly, who you have winning the tough this season? Because I'm both like a McGregor fan and a Chandler fan at the same time. So it's really tough for me, you know, after the three last corner fights, her mind says Chandler smokes him, heart still wants McGregor. Because see, the way I see the fight going is Chandler is hittable, he gets hit a lot and Connor still has that touch of death in his left hand. I mean, what Gaethje and if a person like Charles can drop Chandler with like that and... Hey, even Tony dropped him, if I remember, in the first round. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Did yeah. Tony drop? Yeah, right. So, if those guys can drop him, I sincerely and truly believe Connor smokes him. If he, if he connects, and that's a big if. So, who you have winning that? And do you really believe in the Tatiana Suarez thing that's been going on? Because, see, Valentina has been on her throne since a long time. And we truly need moments like that, like the Leon Edwards head kick. We need moments like that in the sport to keep it fresh and entertaining. So, yeah, really a good pleasure speaking to you, man. I've been following for a long time now. And, yeah, that's it. Appreciate that, man. I definitely appreciate it. Um, Where do I want to start? Probably, I mean, I'm favoring Chandler to win. Uh, but it's, I mean, he's going to have to go through hell to do it. Because he's going to get hit. It all depends. Like, is Bellator Chandler going to show up where he's just going to take Connor down and just sit on him and wear him out? It wouldn't be a bad strategy. I just don't know if Connor, Connor just has one speed. 
And I mean, the, the second Nate Diaz fight, he was able to like come through and and do some stuff while he was exhausted. But you watch the the two the two Poirier fights, and I know the second one ended with the leg thing, but I think we kind of all were realizing the direction that sec that excuse me the third the, the most recent Poirier fight was going. Uh, that was not going to get much better for Connor. He was probably going to get finished in the second round. And that's probably how I'm looking at this fight right now. If, if Chandler can just get out of the first round, it's his fight to lose, in my opinion. But it also depends on which Chandler shows up. Which guy is going to show up? Is it going to be the, the guy that's going in there to get a win? Or is it going to be the guy that's going to go in there and put on a show for the fans? If it's the latter, I still think Chandler can win, but he's just going to have to go through hell to do it. And as far as Tatiana Suarez goes, I don't think we have to worry about her fighting Valentina because she's already said a million times, uh, and she said it after the fight. She's going back to 115. So I don't think we're going to have to to really worry about that fight. Uh, Valentina's likely next challenger, if she wins, would be Aaron Blanchfield after her win over Jessica Andrade. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see the bullet fighting Tatiana Suarez. I think we'll see Tatiana Suarez fight John Whaley or whoever the champion is when she's ready to fight for the belt. So, uh, and then there's another question speaking to the women about uh, the wardrobe stuff. I mean, the, the best way to fix it is just to fucking fix it. Like we're seeing this too much. We're seeing this too much. A woman has enough to think about being in a cage, getting punched in the face or the threat of a takedown or the threat of just, getting pummeled by someone who is a monster like Tatiana Suarez. And now you have to worry about whether or not you end up exposing yourself to the world because you're trying to defend a takedown and the wardrobe that you are provided is not helpful at all. Like, come on. The UFC, this needs to be like one of the top priorities for the UFC right now is to get with Venom and fix this problem. You have this big deal. They are, I mean, they're paying the UFC a lot of money and yeah, sure. None of it's going to the fighters, but if it's not going to the fighters, we have to at least make this wardrobe comfortable and as useful as possible to the athletes that are wearing them. We can't be having every single card, a woman complaining about a possible exposure, a possible Janet Jackson moment on a UFC card. We need to fix this. How? I'm not in the in the apparel game, but I think the UFC. I think it's probably something they're likely discussing. At least I'd be crazy if they didn't. It'd be nuts if they didn't. But hopefully during these, because you know what Dane is going to do. He's going to do the car wash uh, with the people that he normally does. We saw the Robbie Fox interview, and he'll probably talk to Kevin Ioli. Uh, probably do Aaron Bronsetter, like the broadcast partners and stuff, the people that he trusts. Uh, I'm sure somebody's going to ask him about it. My guess would be Aaron Bronsetter is going to ask about it because Aaron usually asks really good questions uh, to Dana, has no problem challenging Dana. Uh, a lot of others don't like to challenge Dana, but I think that's a question that Aaron would probably ask. So hopefully it's something that he responds to and that they're working on and Am I, you know what, since we brought up this thing, uh, a lot of people have reached out, oh, Dana's going to do another hit piece on the media with the power slap thing. Can I just say, this, it's just stupid to even think about because he's targeting the MMA media 
when it comes to slap fighting, but it is not our job to cover slap fighting. It is our job to cover MMA. This is not MMA. It's just two people slapping each other in the face. That's not MMA. So if you're going to do a hit piece on the media, I'm sure there's slap fight media out there somewhere. Do it on them. What the fuck? Like, why would you do? We don't cover it. Like, we don't even cover it. We barely talk about it here. We don't cover it at all. We cover the ratings. If it, like, comes off the air. I mean, dude getting suspended for coke. I mean, how can you not write that up? But we're not covering the events. We're not watching it. So, like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit what we think? We're not, we're not your target audience. We're not the ones that are going to promote these cards for you. Because we're not covering it. And we don't have to. Because it's not MMA. It's not boxing. It's barely a sport. So friggin' stupid. But I gotta prove everybody wrong. Well, go prove them wrong. Don't worry about us. We don't give a shit. We ain't covered it. Deny, hello. Hey, heck of a morning. What's up, man? Well, heck of an afternoon. I just saw <laughs> that you guys were doing this. Is this the new time? Nah, just today. Oh, just today? Well, that was one of my main questions. The other one, uh, do you know anything about uh, Chris Mutino being on The Ultimate Fighter? That's about all I got. Uh, so, from what I understand, Chris was in Vegas, and then he was not on the show anymore. I, I don't know. Like, like we talked about before, when the rosters were kind of teased and put out there, uh, I was told that not all those names are accurate. And there's obviously rumor and innuendo that Connor replaced guys because he wanted his own teammates out there, but it doesn't seem like that's a hundred percent the case, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he was, a, he was slated to be on there. He was slated to be on there. Um, but now he's not, but that doesn't mean my guess is that Chris is probably going to fight on. And I don't know. I haven't looked at Chris's Instagram or anything like that. My guess would be Chris is probably going – if he was there and then got sent home, Dana has said that, look, if, if they were there and they got sent home, it means they're going to do something else with them. So my guess would be that when Dana goes to Boston and they do that and he does look for a fight with Calvin Cater's promotion, I would be kind of surprised if Chris is not on that card. So at least he gets out there and fights in front of Dana and still potentially gets some sort of opportunity to get back. Uh, that'd be my guess. That'd be my guess. And we, we've seen some of the other names that, that were off. Uh, one of them is fighting on Saturday. So, yeah. And as far as the time, today is just weird. Uh, I ain't going to lie to America. I ain't going to lie to the world. Your boy uh, is from Massachusetts. Lives in South Carolina. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a crazy driver, but a little bit aggressive. I like to make moves. I don't drive like a million miles an hour, but, you know, do I take liberties at times with speed limits? Yes. And because of that, in some of the roads in South Carolina, it's 55 speed limit, and then all of a sudden, before you could even know it, it drops to 35. And your boy got pulled over a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
and got a ticket, 48 and a 35. Uh, the cop's really cool, said, hey, show up February 28th. Uh, I'll work with you on this. If you show up, I'll work with you on it. And I'm like, all right, I'll be there. Uh, and I showed up this morning, 10 a.m., first person in line. Uh, and they knocked it down a notch, uh, knocked about 50 bucks off the ticket. Uh, and I got two, I only got dinged two points. So, yeah, I had to deal with that bullshit this morning. Uh, but appreciative to the cop who, who helped me out a little bit. But, yeah, that's why the show has got bumped back because I had to deal with that. But hopefully that will never happen again because now that I – every time I drive down that street to go work out, um, I drive much slower. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Apparently, we're going to go to Canada. Luke. Hello. Luke, are you there? You're muted. Hey, Mike. Hey, there we go. What's up, Luke? Hey, Mike. Uh, sorry, I joined a little bit late, so I apologize if this has already been asked. But... I, have a quite, hold on, I have a question for you. Is that is that Brad Marchand on your jersey? That is absolutely Brad Marchand. <laughs> That's amazing. And that leads that leads into my question. What are your thoughts on big penis Linus Ulmark scoring the first ever goal, goaltender goal in Bruins history? That's all I got for you, Mike. <laughs> I mean, it's par for the course. It's par for the course. I got to say, and like as, as a Boston sports fan, you know, I, I am nowhere near the guy I was. And my wife talks about it all the time when I first met my wife. When I first met my wife, in 2010, I mean, I was diehard. I went to bed late. The Sox were in Anaheim. I was up all night watching the game. Like, I didn't miss a second of anything. And if any of my teams lost, I mean, it ruined my day. And if they lost in the playoffs, it ruined my week, maybe my month. Uh, I'm not that way anymore. I don't take it as seriously, uh, mostly because I'm on the MMA side of things so most of my sports watching is combat but I do watch the Bruins as much as possible I watch the Celtics as much as possible and it is a delight to watch both of those teams especially the Bruins holy shit this might be a hot take but I said this maybe a month ago this Bruins team this season might be the greatest hockey team of all time in NHL history this might be the greatest team of all time now, the last time I have felt this way, they went out against the Flyers. This is a long time ago. It was before they won their cup. Uh, well, the cup season was different. That was a special year. But I felt pretty confident, like 2008 or 2009, they got three games to none on the Flyers, and then they lose the next four games, and that just sucked really bad. But, golly, the Bruins so fun. They're just so damn good. Can't wait for the playoffs. 
Uh, Medi, hello. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, speaking of uh, day nine, all the tough questions and everything, why don't we send Jen, uh, Jed over there uh, and ask some questions? Like, what would, what would happen to, um, like, uh, in all seriousness, what, ha what would happen to um, Miss Fighting Press Passes or whatever? Like, uh, if he asks the tough questions and everything, would it affect anything? Or is there a reason why he can't go or doesn't want to go? I'm not sure. Uh, so Jed is actually going to be, which card? I mean, the, the reason, I mean, Jose's our guy. Uh, he's our boots on the ground. He is multifaceted. He could do it all, uh, better than all of us can. There's no doubt about that. Like I can do stuff, but not nearly as good as him. And I think most of us are in the same boat. Uh, So I've gotten the chance to cover a couple. Like I did International Fight Week. Uh, be cool to do it again. I did the Jacksonville card. Last April. Uh, but now we're doing the watch parties and I would much prefer doing that because it's tough with family. And it, it's, it's tough leaving for a day. Leaving my wife and my son. Um, but luckily it's on a Saturday. But when you cover a fight week, like you're gone for five or six days and I got to put all that burden on my wife to like get my kid ready for school and all that stuff. And it's just a pain in the ass. Uh, and I don't want to do that. But as far as Jed goes, uh, since Jose's our guy and he could do everything, it's just easier to send him to do all the stuff. And Jed is actually going to be covering for us uh, the April 15th event in Kansas City, the Max Holloway Arnold Allen card. Uh, I believe Jed is running in a marathon the next, like the following weekend. And he has family in Kansas City. So I think he's going to go out a week earlier and he's going to go and cover that card. I believe that's what's happening. So if Dane is there, you might get what you want. You might get your wish. But I mean... Look, Danny's, Danny gets asked tough stuff all the time. He gets put on the hot seat at these things. Not as much as he probably should. But I don't think, like, they're going to revoke press credentials if Jed, like, asks Dana tough questions. Now, if he is disrespectful and, like, calls him names and stuff, that's one thing. But Jed's, I don't think Jed's going to do that. Um, or anybody would do that from our staff, so... If he just asks questions, I don't think he's going to get like credentials revoked. And even if he does, who gives a shit? Who cares? I mean, if it affects the whole site, that's one thing. But if it just affects him, then who cares? But I think he'll be all right. I think he'd still ask tough questions and not be an asshole. Ani, hello. Good. For uh, all the noise, I am walking back home, and I just saw that you were going live, so I caught up. I've been off of Twitter for a while. Um, how have you been? I've been good. What's on your mind? So I'm here to, you know, I'm going to make a really controversial statement over here that might, you know, raise a lot of eyebrows. You know what? Putting UFC events in the Apex might not be a bad idea. Do you want to hear why? 
Sure. So, you know, see, assume, you know, the, uh, the fight uh, that we just had, Aaron Blanchfield versus Tyler Santos or Jessica Andrade, no matter how stacked the card is, or, you know, knowing UFC, they wouldn't really stack the cards. Um, it wouldn't have uh, sold out or it wouldn't have done well if it was in front of a crowd. But that doesn't mean, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, uh, fighters like Aaron Blanchfield and everyone who is on the come up, they need uh, the five round experience. So now, I mean, I'm hearing that Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill has been booked. Imagine if Mackenzie Dern goes and finishes or just literally runs through Angela Hill, which I don't think will happen. But if it happens, do you think Mackenzie Dern versus Tatiana Suarez in the apex would be good? Because I don't think... Um, you know, the crowd would be interested in a fight if it were if it was happening in uh, you know an arena. I mean, I'm I'm not talking about the fight itself. I'm talking about tickets. The tickets would not be sold. So in that case, when you want to give someone who is on the come up a 25 minute experience or you know the five round experience, the five round main event experience, put them in the apex. And when they establish themselves, let's say that two lesser known fighters slug it out in the apex and that generates buzz and then that turns out to be something amazing just like Figueredo and Moreno did but that was but that was you know UFC was com compelled to do it but assume if there was no COVID do you think Moreno and Figueredo assume it was not for the title Moreno and Figueredo would never be in front of a uh, crowd it would always be in the apex so that's what I'm saying. Give these new stars, even if you're saving money, save money, do whatever you want, but at least do some good out of it. Give these uh, new fighters an opportunity in the apex, but if you're, you know, these established stars, just put them in front of the crowd. I've heard that uh, Sergei Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades in the apex. That's disgusting. So this is my take on it. What do you think? Thanks, man. Look, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. There is there's use for the Apex. To say that they should never do an Apex card is silly. But there's a difference between having a card at the Apex and just watering it down. And that's what happened last year and the start of this year. So going back just to October, Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. Now, in hindsight, that fight was kind of a letdown because of how it ended. But there is no way in God's green earth that that should have been an Apex fight. That card should have been in front of a crowd and it would have sold tickets because that fight was a friggin' banger. Now, Renita Rodriguez, Amanda Lamos, different story. That could be an Apex card. But look, we had one from October 29th. One, two, three. So we had Apex, Apex. Then it was 281. Apex again. We had the Orlando card. Pay-per-view. And then we had Apex, Apex, Brazil, Apex, Australia, Apex, Apex. I mean, that's just... It's just a lot. It's just a lot. I'm not saying there's no use for it. Because I do agree with you. There are certain cards... Like, these last two cards would not have done well for a ticket-buying audience. It wouldn't have. 
But there's also a lot of venues in Vegas where you can host cards that have better ambiance than the Apex. You can do smaller venues with 500 to 1,000 people. They're doing it March 11th. The reason for it is strange because of the slap fight pay-per-view. But at least like that, that card is going to be in Vegas and it's going to feel bigger even though there's not 15,000 people in there. So there is use for it. But they're going to do Marlon Vera, Corey Sanhagen in the Apex. Remember that? And then they just couldn't get a main event for the San Antonio card and it got pushed to that. So hopefully, again, I don't mind the Apex cards. Once in a while. But when we're doing it like every single fight night, holy smokes, it just waters it down, makes it completely unimportant. But you're right. There is use for it. Sometimes, just not all the time. And I, for one, am looking forward to out of the apex, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row, maybe more. Uh, Again, no word on the 22nd and the 29th yet. I would guess the 22nd is going to be the apex, but I don't know. Pavlovich Blades is not a big ticket selling main event. We don't have a main event for the 29th yet. And then it's 288, which could be, it's obviously going to be on the road. And then we go to Smith Walker. And then May 20th, we're booked as far as that at this point. So, yeah. It's not a super hot take. I mean, we talked about it before, but it's just a matter of spacing it out a little bit. Once every two months, I'm fine with that. Uh, let's go to Cal. Cal, do we have you? Uh, I'm, just first off, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, I wanted to ask two things if, if I had time. Sure. Um, one is, I don't feel biased saying this, even though I'm an Englishman. I feel like Tommy schooled Jerk. Uh, and I was just curious as to what people over the pond thought. And the second one is, do you think the UFC are not really interested in a rematch between Islam and Volk? Because it, it kind of takes that unstoppable Dagestani uh, look if it's another close fight. Uh, that's my question. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Um, I thought Tommy clearly won. I didn't think there was any controversy whatsoever. I saw some people score for Jake and, I, and my immediate reaction to all those people. And I will admit, I don't like, I don't understands like all the nuances to boxing and some people score things differently. Some people are on the boxing beat that had had scored for Jake. I just didn't see it. Um, I mean, you could have made a six to two argument for Tommy Fury for sure. Five, three is fine. But I, I mean, when that fight was over, I, if Jake had won, I would have been like, this is bullshit. <laughs> that, that was, that was my thought. I thought, Jake's manager uh, and business partner, Nikisa, did something on IG stories yesterday. And like he's not terribly wrong, but he said that Tommy landed more and Jake hurt Tommy more than Tommy hurt Jake. And he's probably not wrong, but again, this is boxing. And the knockdown obviously was huge. 
and it made things interesting. But there were very few rounds that I was like, oh, Jake got that. Maybe one besides that? I don't know. I thought it was a clear-cut win for Tommy Fury. I'd be curious to see if they do a rematch. I'm indifferent, honestly. Either way. So, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I scored it pretty clearly for, for Tommy Fury. And as far as the Islam Volk stuff... I don't agree with Dan a lot, but I do agree with him on this. I don't want, like, will I, do I want to see it again? Yes. Do I need to see it right now? No. I would rather see Islam Makachev fight Benil Dariush if he beats Charles Oliveira or fight some other guys who have earned their opportunities. And I want to see Volkanovsky fight Yaya Rodriguez. I want to see that fight so badly. I'm not saying you can't ever book that fight again. You can. But run off a couple of defenses in your division and then go back to it. Go back to it. Volk's going to be kind of the wild card in all of this because this dude's going to be ready to go. Volk isn't going to sit around all year. He's going to want to come back in the next few months. So it's just a matter of if Yair can get ready for that. If Yair's ready to go in like June or July, we're going to get that fight. The only, the only way I could see the UFC going back to the Volk-Islam fight is if International Fight Week's coming around and they don't have anything compelling to headline. If both of those guys are ready to go and the UFC wants to chuck a lot of money at both of those guys... I could see a world where that could happen. Other than that, I don't need to see it right now. Go win two fights each, then we can revisit it if you want. But right now, there's no need for it. There's no need. We don't need it. We just saw it. Makachev won. There's no controversy. Volk had a great accounting of himself. No doubt about it. But Makachev won. Yair looked incredible. He deserves his chance to fight for the undisputed title. And Benny Dariush has certainly deserved to fight for the undisputed lightweight title. And now he's going to fight. He said he should have fought for the belts a while ago. And he went and fought Matush Gamrod. And probably should have still got the next shot. But he kind of killed himself by that post-fight interview where he's like, oh, I'll fight 10 more times. And then Volk should sit in cage side when Makachev wins the belt and Habib calls out Volk. And everything went down the drain for, for Benny. So now he's going to fight Charles Oliveira. So, yeah. couple defenses, then we can revisit. But I don't need to see it right now. I mean, if they book it, I'll watch the hell out of it. But I don't need to see it right now. I'm more interested in Volkanovski versus Yair right now than I am the UFC running that one back. Now, if he just washes Yair... And Islam gets a win. I'm going to give a little more excited for it. But then again, if Arnold Allen beats Max Holloway, like then I'm going to want to see Arnold Allen fight for the belt. And Volk could fight him. It's plenty to keep both those guys busy. So that's what I would prefer.
and then we can go back to that. Next year, end of next year, December pay-per-view 2023, do the rematch then if both guys continue to win, which I would bet, based on who could be available, they probably will. All right, I think we are, we are done. So thank you very much. We'll be back on Thursday, usual time, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. And then Thursday will be a very busy day. There'll be BTL, Jed versus TBD, trying to figure that part out. Uh, we'll press conference, obviously, on Thursday. Media day tomorrow. It's going to be a busy day. Media day for 285. Uh, MMA hour tomorrow as well. Thursday, we already ran that down. Friday, this is going to be wild. We'll have this show in the morning, then the weigh-in show at noon Eastern for the 285 weigh-ins. We'll have a live preview show. There'll be ceremonial weigh-ins. And then Saturday, it's just, we're off to the races. People's pre-fight show. We'll have the watch party. Jose will be there. Lots of stuff. Post-fight show. AK and I will be live on Sunday morning. Uh, no sleep for on to the next one. And it's going to be a busy week, everybody. So buckle up. Enjoy the journey. Next stop, right back here, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. So thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.